0: Welcome to the Family Tree Magazine Podcast, the show from America's number one genealogy magazine. I'm your host, Lisa Louise Cook. Our theme for this August 2016 episode is the 101 Best Genealogy Websites for 2016. So we are going to start over at the Genealogy Insider blog, where managing editor Diane Haddad is going to give us the scoop on why your online searches aren't working. She's got some great ideas for you. And then we've got a special segment combining our top tips and the 101 best websites. And that's because Dave Frixel will be here to reveal the 2016 list and give us some of his top favorites this year. In the Family Tree University Crash Course segment, Vanessa and I will be sharing some search tips from the upcoming Google for Genealogy course. And then we're going to wrap things up at the publisher's desk with Allison Dolan, and she's going to be discussing the upcoming fall 2016 virtual conference. There's a lot to cover, so let's get to it. Our first stop is the news from the blogosphere with Diane Haddad. episode, we're going to focus on improving your online searches. And Diane over at the Genealogy Insider blog has been blogging just on this topic. And welcome to the show, Diane Haddad. She's the managing editor of Family Tree Magazine. Hi, Diane. Hi, thank you. You know, your blog post from July 22nd was just right on the money on our topic today, because it's called Why Your Ancestry.com and Other Online Genealogy Searches Don't Work. And that happens to all of us, doesn't it?
1: It does. It's kind of frustrating.
0: Yeah. And when you get to this blog post that Diane put together, she's got a kind of a neat little quick cheat sheet. It's, you know, Diane. I find that it's like some of these things I think, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Oh, I know that. But having it when you're in a panic is kind of a nice thing. You can just refer to this, find your problem, and you've got all the little nifty solutions listed right there.
1: Yeah, different things you can try. One big issue with a lot of historical records is that they're hard to read. And when you are searching old records, you're not actually searching what's on the document. You are searching the bits of information that someone who has read that document has typed out into the index. So you're actually searching the index of this information drawn from the document. And when documents are hard to read or... um, sometimes the indexer makes an error, then the index that you're searching doesn't always properly reflect what is actually on the document. So that can make, for example, you type in a name, and maybe it doesn't match what the index says, that's on the document.
0: Right. So what are some of your go to strategies when you kind of come up against that? What are things that you do yourself?
1: Well, Ancestry.com and MyHeritage and FamilySearch and other um, larger genealogy websites all have different filters on the search forms. So in addition to the name you typed, you can look for names that might be similar or variants, or you can use wildcard characters such as the asterisk to um, broaden your name search. You can also use date ranges to search for the date you think might be on the document you're looking for plus or minus two years or five years or even 10 years. So that's a help. Another thing you can do is to try another website. If a website has that same data set, so different websites may have used different people to index those records. So for example, FamilySearch's census index might be different from Ancestry.com's census index. So you might get different results searching the two sites. And I think the a little bit more labor-intensive option, but something that can be very helpful is to just browse the records. Browsing is different depending on how they're organized. For a census, it's by enumeration district. For World War I draft registrations, it's by the area where the person registered and then alphabetically. So to go through the records for the place where your ancestor lived and just page by page just scroll through, that's another option.
0: Those are great strategies. And it's interesting because you've got those solutions listed here on the blog post, but also why it happens. And I think you're bringing up a good point that it's easy to forget that there can just be errors or that one can be not quite right on one website, but then you go to another website, like you said, and it may have a different version or be clearer or what, you know, improved in some way. And I really... I like that because it reminds us nothing's perfect. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Um, And sometimes we can't find records or they just don't exist. And how do you tackle that?
1: Well, if the record doesn't exist, it might be because it was never created in the first place, because maybe they don't have birth records for the time and place where your ancestor was born, or there might have been a courthouse fire that destroyed some of the records. So that's a little bit harder. In that case, you want to check the website that you're using because they'll have information on that group of records. So usually it'll inform you if there are gaps in the records, such as, you know, census records for 1890, like are almost all missing. And then you would want to look at local research guys and see what kind of substitutes you can use that might have that same information, but still tell you what you need to know about your ancestor.
0: Wow. Good strategy. Wonderful. Well, like I said, Diane's just kind of laid it all out for you here in this blog post. It's called "Why whyyourancestry.com and other online genealogy searches don't work. <laughs> and I will have a link for you in the show notes. So you can hop over to this and also have this handy little kind of cheat sheet that she's put together, which I think is a really nice way when you kind of get in a panic or you or you're kind of like frustrated, you can kind of turn to this and tune back da- you know, down and kind of see what the problem might be and what some of your options might be. It's a very handy tool. Thank you so much, Diane. You're welcome. This month, we are digging into Family Tree Magazine's newly announced 101 Best Websites for Genealogy 2016. And here to explore that with us is the author, David Frixell. Hi, Dave.
3: Hello, glad to be here.
0: Hey, this year, it looked like you were um, focusing on this list by looking into the future, the future of genealogy and and websites that are out there that are leading the way. So I'm curious, did that mean that you had to do a bit of kind of out with the old and in with the new?
3: Oh, yeah, it was tough. You know, we've been doing this list for a while now. And there's so many good sites. I mean, when we first started, we would include things that just had you know, a few good tips, and that all of a sudden, that was good enough. And then, we, you know, as more and more things came on. But this year, well, it's the 50th anniversary of Star Trek. And, of course, there was a new Star Trek movie, Star Trek Beyond, that came out um, this summer. And so with that sort of futury, you know, feel, we thought, okay, you know, we would try to find out-of-this-world websites. And so it meant, yeah, some, you know, perfectly acceptable sites got the ax, so we could emphasize those that not just that they're new, but in many cases, they're taking advantage of things that the, you know, the internet can do that it was just unimaginable when we, you know, first started the magazine and started doing the the 101 list.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. Every year you come up with new websites that are just like breaking new ground. And I swear, I think you're gonna have to end up turning up into the 1001 websites because there's so many now, right?
3: Oh, yeah, absolutely. But, you know, what What we really tried to do this year was find, you know, we've got, we've got ancestry, we've got family search, we've got, you know, sort of all the old reliables that, you know, are uh, need to be in there that are still just amazing what you can do with them. But then we tried to add in, well, there's a site called Histography, for example, and what it does is it takes... Wikipedia entry, so you know, first of all you had to have the Wikipedia and uses them to sort of create animated timelines of the past so you can really see what your ancestors life, you know, would have been like using this, this really cool technology that I can't even begin to understand, frankly, but it but it works.
0: And that's something I think that is generally kind of the the forward looking in the area of technology, which is people are more and more interested in visualizing their data. It's not enough just to read it or see it in columns, but you really want to see it in context. And I think that's what these kinds of sites are doing. And it's really grabbing attention.
3: That's right. And another site called History Lines is sort of in the same kind of vein. It, so it tries to put your ancestors' lives in historical context, and you can generate sort of personalized timelines and biographies based on the historical data, you know, you, you give it your, your research, and it creates the big picture for you. Again, you know, that's a very sophisticated kind of combination of, uh, you know, of technology that, you know, is all at work there.
0: And dishing up a lot of the historical context that would be of interest to everybody, you know, versus everybody having to go out and find it for themselves. They've as I've seen that product, and, and it's they've really just kind of integrated in, and based on the time frame that you're putting in there, it's going to autofill some of that to kind of give the backstory, which is really neat.
3: It's really very cool, and then, you know, some of the sites, you know, the, the availability of video on the internet is another you know thing that has really changed. Yeah. And so you know, we had the site for if you watch the Genealogy Roadshow shows, for example, well, they're now all on the internet. You can watch them. Um, If you couldn't make it to RootsTech, the the big conference, which is, of course, about genealogy and technology, you can, you know, sit in your pajamas and watch those on uh, on the Internet, on another site. So there's just so much that you can do as the technology has advanced that, I mean, it was just unimaginable before.
0: Yeah. I love video and video's obviously been around a long time but it's really jumped this year I think we're seeing that in Facebook that when you share video whether it's recorded or live boy that just gets all kinds of traction and your friends just go crazy for it so it's nice to see it integrated into genealogy sites as well
3: right and well and of course a few years ago we added YouTube which again that is not something we probably ever would have you know thought of as a genealogy site but there's so many things with experts on there, including experts like you doing, you know, YouTube videos, the uh, another show, the Finding Your Roots with Henry Louis Gates from PBS. They have a website where you can see all those videos. So video has just become such a great way now to, you know, learn more about how to do your genealogy and really to get inspired, I think, as well.
0: Yeah, love that. Now, certainly there are libraries out there and archives, and they're doing some innovative things, too. Did you get some library websites in the list this year?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's, that's another area, I think, where technology has really sort of taken off. For a while there, you know, the library, okay, you had a website, maybe you could look at its card catalog or, you know, something like that. But there's so much more now. There's a new site called Archive Grid, which it's sort of an offshoot of the WorldCat site, and so it it offers it locates finding aids for more than a thousand um, archival institutions. So there are four million something you know primary source materials, including historical documents. You can type in a search term and enter a location; it'll show you the ones that are uh, are near you. So suddenly, there's this whole world of other stuff out there that it's putting, you know, at your fingertips.
0: Oh, how interesting! So this is kind of connected to WorldCat. So I'm looking at it; it says the URL is beta.worldcat.org slash archivegrid all together. Really interesting. They're, it looks like they've inc- incorporated the Google Maps and got straight view and everything.
3: Yeah, again, it's a very creative you know, use of technology. Plus, of course, there's so many more things that are being digitized. There's a new site called the Hathi, H-A-T-H-I Trust. And it's a new, yet another like gigantic digital library, 14 million volumes and nearly 5 billion, yes, billion with a B, um, pages of data. You, not everything there can be accessed by the general public. You have to be sometimes, to get some of you have to be with one of their partner institutions. But even so, it is just an enormous trove of information out there. And often these are things that, you know, they would never be in your local library if you live in a small town, or they can be fairly obscure. But if the obscure thing happens to be something about your family, suddenly it's not obscure to you, you know, it's uh, it's something you want to have at your fingertips, and you can actually do it through, you know, the magic of the internet again.
0: Yeah, I imagine if you found something really interesting on to Trust that you could go to your local reference librarian at your public library and say here's what I'm looking at. It says it needs some kind of special, you know, they could probably help you either with interlibrary loan or connecting you up with the university nearby, or there's, there's always a way, right?
3: <laughs> and, and, you know, so much, you know, for those of us with low frustration tolerance or, you know, uh, not a lot of patience, as is as interlibrary loan is, you know, I kind of want it now. And so yeah. uh, instead of waiting for the physical book, often it's, it's actually been digitized out there and it's just, you know, floating out there waiting to, uh, you know, answer your genealogy questions.
0: So true. Now, of course, I love maps. And I know that you've touched on some pretty cool map websites. Tell us about those.
3: That's another area where I think, you know, the technology has enabled us to do things that you just couldn't do before. Um, You know, the, the maps are more impressive. But also, you know, whereas before we might have gotten excited about a site, which you know had a few dozen scanned maps now I mean that we're, we've really raised our you know our sites, and some of them are you know really cool there's you know the the atlas of the historical geography of the United States, for example um, this is a project that the University of Richmond has uh, put online it's this atlas it was first published in nineteen thirty two and i mean it is it's just beautiful and because it focuses on history it's of course interesting to us and now it's online, and it's just like this sort of magic site that can open all these map windows, you know, into the past.
0: Now tell us the name of that again. I want to put that in the show notes.
3: Of the Historical Geography of the United States.
0: Wow, it's a mouthful, but it sounds worthwhile. <laughs> okay. I, <know>. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah, I talk about, like, map collections. Well, uh, a new one this year is the David Rumsey, R-U-M-S-E-Y, um, map collection. It has 67,000 images ranging from the 16th century to current ones. And again, as you were saying, it it integrates, you can use Google Maps, Google Earth, and a whole new tool that lets you overlay historical maps on modern maps. So, you know, if you're trying to figure out where those records might be or, you know, all your ancestors lived in that place, what is that called now? What is it near now? It just really lets you visualize in a powerful way how things have changed, what looks, you know, what it looks like now. So again, just a cool application of, it's got the technology of the old maps, but then it uses the all the new gizmos and things like Google Maps and so forth to uh, take a look at it. So it's very cool.
0: It is. They they have, when you get to that website, there's a search box at the top, but I want to let our listeners know if you scroll down on that homepage, you'll see something called the Map Rank Tool. And click that and launch that because that's the way to not only search geographically but also by time frame. So that the maps that you get are sorted for you, and you know you're not looking at 21st century maps when you really are interested in you know 1750. It's it's amazing.
3: It's like geography meets time travel. Yes, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> it's like your yes. own little time machine. It is, uh, you know, they're on your computer screen.
0: Exactly. Let's see here. So we've got the david Ramsey map collection at davidremsey.com we've got atlas of historical geography of the u.s any other mapping ones we just have to go check out
3: well you know actually this All year was very tough <laughs> yeah. because i actually had more map sites than you know you could even make it in so the ones that are in here you know are you know are pretty darn cool you know there are some you know their favorites like the bureau of land management that sort of thing. We've added the uh, Historic Mapworks, uh, I think it was a, a year or two ago, but it's got 1.6 million historical maps. It's a subscription site. Most of the sites, you know, we, we indicate whether there's a little dollar sign, whether it's free or not. But uh, it's, you know again, puts all these historical maps at your fingertips. For people who have African-American ancestors, there's a uh, site called Africa Map, it's from the Center for Geographical Analysis at Harvard, and it takes, his, again, historical overlays and geographical data and, like, tracks the slave trade. It's like, you know, if you saw the remake of the uh, show Roots, it's a little like that, but with maps. Wow. And, you know, just, again, sort of almost like magically puts all this in this geographic context, but also with the sense of, you know, sort of time travel. So a very cool so.
0: Very much so. Now I noticed you also have on here the Atlas of Historical County Boundaries. And definitely everybody listening, keep an eye on that one, because it's really worthwhile. And we've been talking to them lately, and they are working on a revamp of that. They're going to be fixing their interactive map and actually creating a whole lot more new features. And that is, as I understand it, a real direct result of the fact that genealogists have really taken to that site and love it and use it it certainly helps us identify where a location was at a particular time frame so we're in the right county when we're doing our research and i'm thrilled to hear that they're going to be doing some upgrades on that website so that's a a good one for this year but one to watch too
3: yes absolutely
0: fantastic sites oh my gosh we could go on and on for hours but you've already given us a wonderful list and i'm going to have a link in the show notes to the complete 101 best websites for genealogy for 2016 list in the show notes and some of the ones that David has highlighted because um, he really scours the web and I tell you, you've found some here that I haven't come across before. I'm really excited to take a look. Thank you, David. In an episode all about some of the best websites for genealogy, it's pretty hard to skip over Google, Google.com. And to dig more into using Google.com for genealogy and to talk about an upcoming course that's available at Bama Tree University, we've got our own Vanessa Wyland. Hi, Vanessa. Hi. How are you? I'm doing great, thanks. How are you? Good. I see that you are busy. You've got the upcoming virtual conference and you've got the upcoming another course on using Google for genealogy. And it's obviously called Google for genealogy. It starts up August twenty second. You know, it's interesting. I think a lot of people when they think about Google, they go, yeah, I could use that to search the web. But there's a lot more tools than that, aren't there? Oh, there absolutely is.
4: I feel like If we're just using Google as a search engine, we are missing out on so many of the other opportunities we have to use it for genealogy. There are so many different apps that are working in the background. You have everything from doing advanced searches to Google Books. You have Gmail, of course, which you can use as a great actual organization tool, not just for getting your email, but how you can use it to organize your genealogy there's Google Drive, which you know, you're well familiar with, and Google Earth, which you're an expert at. <laughs> and <laughs> you know, one of my favorites is Google Translate, which you know, for those of us with German or Norwegian heritage is almost a given that we can rely on that a lot more to search for our foreign records. So there's, there's so many ways to use Google that go beyond typing in a surname and a location into the search engine. And I mean, you're one of the original authors on this course. So, what's your
0: favorite tool, Lisa? Oh, that's always a hard question to answer, isn't it? Because it, it always depends what your genealogical question is that you're trying to feverishly answer. But I, I have to say that we focus a lot of time and energy in this class on Google Alerts, and that's because that is one of those Google tools that you could be using every day, and it actually runs on its own. So Google Alerts is an offshoot service of google.com. If you have a free Google account or a Gmail account, then you can use Google Alerts. And if you don't have one, you can just go directly to the Google Alerts page and go ahead and sign up for your free account there. But what you're going to do is run a search, obviously look through the results. And before you wrap it up for the day, you're going to copy what you searched on, whatever your search terms were, your query. And you're going to paste that into Google Alerts. And that will create a saved search that Google's going to go out there on the web 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and it's going to be finding anything that's new, anything that's updated that comes up from that point forward. So gosh, Vanessa, it's like having your own personal genealogy assistant, isn't it? (laughs) Because it you've got Google out there running these searches, We, we certainly don't all have time ourselves. And sometimes, you know, we can run a really effective search, and then we forget about it, you know, and then you don't think about it for another six months, Google can get out there and bring to you via email, anything that it finds that's new and that has popped up on the web since the last time you searched for it. The other thing is, is you can have up to a 1000 of them. So you're going to be able to stay pretty busy with Google alerts.
4: Absolutely. And that's great for when you're going to conferences and you don't have time to be doing your actual searches.
0: Yeah, exactly. If you're busy with life, you can still have Google going out there. And and even if you don't have time to work with the results that are being emailed to you, uh, you mentioned Gmail. And I have my little Google Alerts tag that I've set up in Gmail, so that I can tag the alerts that come up if I don't get to them right away. And I can even do a second tag, follow up, or read later. You know, most of those pages aren't going to disappear tomorrow. So I like to tag them so that on a Saturday morning, I get my cup of coffee, I got a, you know, an a free hour, I can go and click that follow up tag and the Google alerts tag, and I have them all there in front of me, I can sit down and really spend some time finding stuff that uh, popped up on the web. That is fantastic. So in this class, that's, of course, like you were saying, the kind of stuff that they're going to be learning. Give us kind of the the brief outline, because I know that you have it there on the, the sign-up page. What are they going to cover, and how do they get involved?
4: Absolutely. The first thing they're going to cover is, of course, the search essentials. And that, again, it's more than just popping in a basic search, which you can certainly do, and that's a great way to start. But then there's also a way of refining your search on Google. And you can do things like incorporating different operators. You've got the advanced search strategies, like an all-in-title or an all-in-URL search. The second lesson will cover Gmail and Google+. Google+, is another social media opportunity, Mm -hmm. and it's really good for genealogists and for finding other genealogists who might be searching for similar things that you are. Then there's also the Google News Archive and Books, so you you don't have to just rely on some of the other subscription sites for those items or go to a library to get the books. You can look on Google first before you ever leave the house. And then the last lesson is the Google Translate Alerts Drive and Earth. So that covers quite a bit of the advanced tools. And I love the Google Translate tool. That's my favorite um, <laughs> thus far. <laughs> And it's so easy to use. So those are the the, the big ones that, that it covers and it just it gets you really started and you really get to dive into and see how you can use Google
0: in so many ways for your genealogy. Terrific. Well, you're going to find a link in the show notes, everybody, to the class. So you can go look at it more in depth on the web page. There's a sign up button you can enroll. And it starts up August 22nd. I I love these, Vanessa, because they are self paced. So they get to download all this content if they, you know, it's not graded, there's no pressure. And if you don't finish by September 16th, you can still work with the content. It's just that you have access to the live instructor during that course period, which is really a nice bonus.
4: Absolutely. One of the best parts of uh, that we have is the discussion boards where you have the opportunity to ask questions of your instructor, and even talk with, you know, fellow students who are trying things out, you get to do practical applications there
0: and really test everything out. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Well, wonderful. That's Google for genealogy. And Vanessa, thank you so much. I'll probably be talking to you next month. Absolutely. Thank you, Lisa. All right. Well, it's time to wrap up this episode that's been devoted to our 101 best websites for genealogy and to talk more about other things that are going to help your genealogy research. We're going to do that at the publisher's desk with Allison Dolan. Hi, Allison. Hi, Lisa. Well, we've been covering an awful lot of websites, had a lot of great tips from Dave for Excel, but I know that you have something else that's been going on this fall. Uh, in addition to the launch of the 101 Best Websites list, uh, you've got the new virtual conference coming up. So tell us about that.
2: Absolutely. So it seems like a perfect time during an episode devoted to online genealogy to talk about our online virtual conference, which is your genealogy learning experience that takes place entirely online you can wear your bunny slippers drink wine whatever you like to enjoy the experience um from the comfort of home it's wonderful
0: it is wonderful and that's nice because there's a lot of people who can't make it out to a full conference a lot of like i think stay-at-home moms or you know people who are working it's there's a lot of challenges to getting to a live conference so tell us about a virtual
2: conference you still have a big lineup of topics and speakers right Absolutely. And I can attest, Lisa, to what you're talking about, because as a full time worker and mom of small children, I would find it very difficult to get a conference if it weren't my job to be there. And so I participate in the virtual conference the whole weekend, and I'm still able to do all the normal mom things and house cleaning and everything without the travel and all of those other things that make it into an in-person conference more difficult. So. Let me tell you a little bit about the lineup for the conference and some of the things that folks have to look forward to. So there are four tracks. One is genetic genealogy because it's changing so fast and there's always a need to learn more about it. So we've got some great classes there. Technology. So specifically about some of these websites that we've been talking about in the episode, there will be tips and ideas to help you make the most of those. Um, Research strategies that cover records and methodologies that will help you be more efficient and more productive in your research. And of course, ethnic genealogy is our last track, because we all need help finding our ancestors in the old country.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I know a lot of these um, sessions will, of course, include some of the best websites for the different areas. And it's a wide range, because just going through those categories, it's amazing how genealogy has expanded. There's so much to
2: learn and to keep up with. Absolutely. So there are a few on my shortlist that I'm really looking forward to for my own learning. And one of those is formulate your DNA testing strategy. So for me, I've done a DNA test, you know, I know a lot about the mechanics of DNA testing by virtue of keeping up on it for Family Tree Magazine. But when it comes down to brass tacks and thinking about like, really, who do I need to test and which test is the best one to use for those purposes? Or like, if I'm going to do multiple companies, what order should I go in? All of these are questions that I think that session is going to help me answer. So I'm looking forward to that one. And that would lead right into some of these other sessions
0: that you've got in the genetic genealogy track, the, the ABCs of genetic genealogy. If, if you want to get started, boy, that's a great so little opener. Date. And you've got Blaine Bettinger. He's going to be talking about DNA solutions to real life research problems. And that's really the key, I think, to using DNA. It's not just, I mean, you can get your ethnicity, but from there, it's all about these real life research problems you're trying to solve.
2: Absolutely. That's what it all comes down to, doesn't
0: it? Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. So how do people get involved? This is, a even though it's online, and these sessions are pre-recorded, Correct. Mm-hmm. they need to be involved during the time frame. This is September 16th through the 18th of 2016. Can they use and watch these videos after the fact?
2: Absolutely. So this is one of the best parts of the virtual conference is during those three days over the weekend that the conference is taking place, there's lots of engagement opportunities to network with other genealogists, ask questions, um, participate in live chats and really just kind of even hang out with like-minded people on the message boards, which is great, but you don't have to consume all of the information in those three days. So, there are 15 classes. They're all pre-recorded, which means you don't have to show up at a specific time to be able to watch them. You can watch them in whatever order you want. You can download them and actually save them to watch later. So that's a great way to make sure that you get to keep the learning experience going throughout the year. You might prioritize a few of those sessions that you might want to talk about and pick other people's brains during the three days. But there might be some that you just haven't gotten to a need or research application for those yet. You can save them for later, and they'll be available to you to watch um, when you're ready to tackle those challenges. I love the very
0: flexible event and learning experience. And speaking of the chats, I'm going to be doing one of the chats. We're going to be talking about tech tools for your mobile devices, and particularly your favorite apps. I think there's a lot of uh, brain trust out there. We're going to tap into everybody's ideas and I'll be sharing a lot of mine as well. So it is a very interactive event. We're going to have the link to the virtual uh, genealogy conference for this fall of 2016 in the show notes. So you need to head there or you can just go to familytreeuniversity.com and sign up there as well. Well, fabulous. This has been a jam-packed episode. We have lots to do, and I will be looking forward to talking to you next month because we've got lots in that episode as well. Thank you so much, Allison. Thank you, Lisa. Thanks so much for joining me for this August 2016 episode of the Family Tree Magazine podcast, the monthly show from America's number one genealogy magazine. Here are a couple of action items for you until we meet here again next month. Be sure to head to familytreatmagazine.com slash podcast, and there you will find the show notes for this episode. And those will include information and website links for everything that we've covered on today's episode including the 101 Best Websites for Genealogy 2016 list, which includes links to all of those websites that David talked about specifically. Also in the show notes, you're going to find a link to the Google for Genealogy course at Family Tree University and our upcoming fall 2016 virtual conference. Thanks again for joining me today. I'm Lisa Louise Cook, and I invite you to visit me over at my website, genealogygems.com, where you can listen to my free podcast. It's called The Genealogy Gems Podcast, and that's also available free through iTunes, and we have an app for that. Until next time, have fun climbing your family tree.